0: Now, we are going to today be thinking about uh, an idea that I think is incredibly helpful, useful, critically important in the current season of life we all find ourselves in. There's a particular word that we are going to think about today, and this word is, and I brought my trusty whiteboard so we can kind of keep it in mind. We're going to be learning about it today. I put the cap on so tight it was hard to get it off. That's not because I've not been working out. It was just that tight. Anyway... Here's our word. We're going to look at this word today, and the word is disciple. Now, this is a word that, uh, if you're not kind of normally around church or things like that, this isn't a word we necessarily use a lot. It may pop up a little bit culturally here or there, uh, so you might have heard it, but it's a little bit of an old-fashioned word, but what we're going to be doing is unpacking what this word is, because I believe it's one of the most important words we can wrap our minds around that actually can make such a difference uh, in the way that we live every day. So we're going to start with a story today. This story comes from Matthew chapter 14. Before we get into the exact part we're going to look at, I want to give you a little background. Here's what's happened. This is a story about Jesus and his disciples, his uh, 12 followers who were going around with him, learning from him, all this kind of thing. And they had just had like this pretty epic day. Uh, the, the day started like this. It, they had this big gathering, like uh, I think about 5,000 people on a hillside. This is in Israel. It's near the Sea of Galilee. These rolling green hills. Uh, you know, there's not a detailed weather report. You get the picture. It was a pretty beautiful day. Uh, 5,000 plus people all turned out to hear Jesus, to hear him teach, hear what he's got to say. Uh, now, the day was just like one of those epic days. And then at the end of it, like they realized nobody organized catering. So Jesus had these 12 disciples. They stole the kids' lunch, and then they took that lunch. They didn't really steal it. Don't worry. They weren't that mean about it. They took it, multiplied it, miraculously feeds all these people on this hillside. Just an unbelievable day. And then uh, the day ends. Jesus, he's a good kind of party host, says goodbye to everybody. And then he uh, tells his disciples, you guys head over to the other side of the lake, I'm going to stay here on this hillside. Now it's kind of dusk. It's getting night. Jesus goes up onto a hill to pray. And here's what we find happen. And that background will be real helpful as we look at this story. Matthew chapter 14, verse 12 says this. Uh, 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples once the party was over on the hillside. He made them all get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. So he's up there. And later that night, he was alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, and it was being buffeted by waves because the wind was against it. So check this out. Uh, Everybody's gone home. Jesus up on the mountainside. We get the picture. This is maybe around midnight or so. It's kind of the middle of the night. Jesus has been praying for a while by himself. And these guys, the disciples, are in this boat, and it's being buffeted by waves. Now, buffeted, if you've not used the word buffeted in a little while, Buffeted is like, it's getting battered. It's getting smashed. It is getting hammered. This is one of those storms that just kicked up kind of out of nowhere. And they're on there just wondering what is going to happen. They're getting absolutely just pushed this way and that. They probably were like, I wonder if someday this is what 2020 will feel a little bit like to some people. They're getting buffeted. Now, shortly before dawn, the night goes on. They're just out there getting smashed this way and that. Buffeted, buffeted. Shortly before dawn, Jesus goes out to them, walking on the lake, as you do, walks out on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They are freaked out, and they're like, it's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Their experience of all this craziness happening is just they're afraid They see, they think it's Jesus. There were actually a lot of rumors and superstitions about ghosts on the Sea of Galilee at that time. So they're sort of like, oh my gosh, what is this? They are freaked out. But Jesus immediately says to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. So Jesus tells them, despite all this other stuff, take courage. Don't be afraid. It's me. Now Peter, in this famous moment, says, Lord, if it's you. Tell me to come to you on the water. I don't know why, but for the first time when I read this this week, I never really thought about it. I questioned Peter's, like, uh, approach to figuring out if it was Jesus. I mean, you imagine this. They're in this boat, and they're like, is that a ghost? And Peter's like, I'll figure out if it's a ghost. Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come to you. Now, if it was a ghost, why wouldn't the ghost just say, yeah, come to me? Like, you know, it's like, tell me the secret code we always use. Maybe that would have been a better way. But anyway. We'll come back a little bit later to why maybe he says this. But Jesus says to him, come, come on. Peter did know this, that if this was really Jesus, he had this sense. He could lead him through this. So then Peter gets down out of the boat, walks on water. Literally is defying physics, gravity, walks on water. And he comes toward Jesus. It's going well, it's going well. But when he saw the wind... He was afraid. And he beginning to sink, he cries out, Lord, save me. He starts walking, but all of a sudden he kind of starts to see the wind, and he starts to see the storms, and he's like, starts to sink. And Jesus immediately reaches out his hand and caught him and says, You have little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, and Jesus helps them in, the wind dies down, and then those who were in the boat worshipped him saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now this story, and it's familiar to many if you're familiar with the scriptures, even if you've never heard that before, you might go, oh, I've heard there's something about walking on water. It's a pretty well-known, kind of famous moment. And I want us to understand what I believe this story, one of the great things that it is a picture of is what does it look like to be a disciple? Now, this story is all about the disciples. Earlier in the day, there was a crowd, like 5,000 people, And that's the crowd that used to follow Jesus. There were always people who kind of liked being around Jesus, liked what he had to say, liked hearing from him, liked like, oh man, there's a one-day conference out on the hillside. I'm there. There was always people who just kind of, sometimes people say almost like fans of Jesus. They dug what he had to say. But these guys in the boat, it says the disciples went to the other side. You see, disciples, here's what this word means. The word disciple in Greek, it literally means Uh, Here it is in Greek, but spelled with English letters, is this Greek word mathetes. Mathetes is just a learner. It wasn't like a Bible word back then. For them, it was just another word like student, like learner. In fact, the word math, I'm pretty sure it's where we also get the word mathematics from. That word means like to think something through really hard. Now, for me, when I see that, it might make me a little afraid if I think there's math involved in following Jesus um, because I'm kind of afraid of math. But it's just this whole idea of to be. A disciple, before it was ever met, it's just to be a learner. It's to learn things. Now, what we've got to wrap our mind around is that disciple, uh, let's just, let's write it. I'll go like this. I'll do a, a dotted through here. You could substitute the word learner right here. To be a disciple is to be a learner. And what I just want to talk to you about today is what happens if you define yourself as someone who is learning from Jesus, This ability to define ourselves as, I believe, a disciple is one of the most powerful shifts that we can make. What I want to encourage you to even consider today is would you define yourself, a core part of your identity, or what would happen if you did? Define a big part of your identity, a core part of your identity, as someone who is a learner from Jesus. You see, I read this uh, about a study that was done a few years back. It was a study done in the U.S. on voter uh, kind of behavior. Now, in the U.S., as opposed to here in Australia, uh, to vote is not compulsory. People choose whether or not they'll vote, and they decide. So they're trying to figure out, how can we uh, do things that will make people more likely to vote? So one study was commissioned that looked at the idea of identity and how does a person's identity impact their actions? And so what they did is they just took two groups of people and they gave them surveys. And one of the surveys, both of them were just going to ask them about their habits and ideas and feelings around voting. But one of the surveys used this language, uh, the language of action. When you vote, do you think about this? Uh, Are you more likely to vote with this? How do you feel if if and when you vote? How do you feel about that? The other surveys, they were action-based language. The other one said, as a voter, how do you feel about this? As a voter, would this make you more or less likely to vote? All they did was introduce the idea of seeing yourself as a voter into what impact would that have. What they found was that those who identified themselves and were kind of inspired to identify themselves as a voter were overwhelmingly more likely to go out and vote just by the introduction of thinking about their identity. They were so surprised by the results and how, how dramatic it was. They redid it and redid it. And they came to f- use this as part of a whole kind of psychology around how much our sense of identity impacts the way we live. Now, why do I say it's so important? Because if you identify yourself as a disciple or as a learner from Jesus, then you will... By nature, by identifying yourself that way, you will begin to act in certain ways that correspond with that. You see, do you know in the the whole New Testament, the word that is most commonly used for those who are followers of Jesus? It's not Christian. It's disciple. It's learner. You know, it's only uh, later that other people call some of Jesus' followers, they start calling them Christians. But here's the thing. The early followers of Jesus, the word Christian, what that means is basically little Christ. The early followers of Jesus didn't go, hey, I'm a little Jesus. They went, I'm a learner from Jesus. And it's only later that this word, and I'm not saying it's bad to say you're a Christian or anything, but, but can I tell you something? Here's one of the challenges. When we define ourselves, Oh, I'm a Christian. Here's what can be a challenge is we can subconsciously tell ourselves or other people around us, I've arrived, I'm there. When I say, I'm a disciple, I'm saying I'm learning from Jesus. And when we do that, it fundamentally changes the way we approach things. Now, I, I just want to suggest that to you for a moment. This is something that actually when we begin to frame what does it mean to be a learner from Jesus changes how we experience things. Now watch this because here's what happens. They come to Jesus and uh, the disciples are in this boat, and they're in a storm, and this is going to give us some insight into what, what does it look like to learn from Jesus? Because sometimes when we think about what's it mean to be a learner, we think, well, I'm going to learn from Jesus, and, and we might picture really what happened in the daytime. We picture like, okay, be up on the hill or maybe in the auditorium or maybe in my living room and I'm sitting I'm listening to some teaching about Jesus. That is one style of learning and and that is important and has its place. And Jesus did a lot of that kind of teaching. But the kind of learning he seems to really want for his disciples, for those who are like, yeah, I'm a learner. He has in mind the kind of learning that you can't get in a classroom. He has in mind the kind of learning that you can only get sometimes out on a stormy sea in the middle of the night when it's so black you can't even see what's going on. You see, there's the kind of learning where we can kind of listen and get some information and some ideas, and that's that's important. But there's the kind of learning that only takes place in what we're gonna call a, a, a place of disequilibrium. In fact, I want you to, to reflect on this idea, the, the learning that began to take place not, there was good learning, I, I guarantee you, that happened on the green hillside where he taught during the day, but there was a different kind of learning that took place on the waves that were so uncertain. It's, what we, it's one of the reasons why 2020 has been ripe with opportunity to be a disciple of Jesus. That if you want to be someone who learns from Jesus and learns how, not just how do I learn a set of of knowledge that's important, but rather how do I learn what it is to follow Jesus when the ground beneath my feet feels like water and waves. That That is the kind of learning that Jesus wants for us. Now, I'm going to give you a little picture here. I think this is a helpful picture. If you kind of wonder what has been some of uh, a, a way of framing the experience of 2020, I'm going to give you a little diagram. This is a, a diagram on learning and adaptation. It comes from a book called Leadership on the Line, one of my probably top two or three favorite leadership books. A couple guys, one of the guys' last name is Linsky. And, and they give this picture for how you – how people learn, how organizations learn, how leaders can lead people through learning. And, and here's their little picture of it. And the, the reason I share it with you is because, well, one, if you're a leader of anything, a, a family, a, a small group, a, in your organization, in your workplace, uh, it's a great book, and this is great, great learning for you. I highly recommend Leadership on the Line. Um, but no matter where you are what you do, this gives some insight into some of what you will have experienced this year, I can almost guarantee it. They say that here's what learning kind of looks like you got two things so it's a little diagram looks like this down here this is time this is life this is a timeline of life kind of moving along down here and so here's life it's moving along this uh side of the of the diagram is the level of disequilibrium So I'll put at the bottom EQ for equilibrium. Equilibrium is when everything is, when you're on a grassy hillside, it's predictable. You know the ground's not going anywhere. Uh, This is when life has predictability and stability to it. That's equilibrium. Uh, Up here is the level of, I'll put DQ, because I don't have to spell a long word like that. Up there is the level of disequilibrium. And life, uh, life is always moving Along this, life is never just totally steady. We know that. Life doesn't ever just flow like, oh, it just, nothing's kind of happened. It's just always stable. There's nothing unpredictable. Life is full of unpredictable moments. But here's the thing that happens is that when, uh, up here is what they call, I'm going to call this uh, LL, the latitude, uh, actually, no, I'm going to call it T, the threshold of learning. That's a T with a tail. the threshold of learning. Do you know something? Here's the thing. Most of us like equilibrium. Equilibrium's kind of a nice thing. We like it when life's predictable. I know I've got a job and a paycheck. I know what's kinda happening. I know how to progress in my workplace. I know what's happening with my family. We all like equilibrium. Life's kind of there's something certainly enjoyable about when life is predictable. But when life is predictable, one thing you are not forced to do is learn new things. Because when life is predictable, you can kind of stay down here. Now you might hit some bumps in the road and hiccups and different things will happen. But when you're below this line, the threshold of learning, it means you probably can navigate this stuff and figure your way out of it. Or you have the skills that you need to deal with those changes. Sometimes life, something unexpected happens and it pushes us up here. Disequilibrium, unpredictability, I didn't see that coming. And what happens is you break through the threshold of learning and to deal with stuff up here, you're going to have to learn some new things. Now we've had to experience, our whole planet has literally had to experience this. Like we all went through, yeah, life is a little unpredictable, some stuff happens and then kind of February, March hits and it's like we all got to learn new stuff now. How do we homeschool? How do we work from home? How do we deal with a, a planet with no air travel? How do we do all these things? We've all Like, like the threshold of learning is like boom, way up here. There's a second layer here that they talk about, which is called the, we're going to call it, this is a little simplified, but the threshold of tolerance. And what that means is between these two things is where learning happens. I mean, real learning, having to adapt, having to grow. When you have to have something so much disequilibrium that you break through where you've got to learn, but there's also a thing called the threshold of tolerance. And when it, when the Change is so big, there's also a point at which it's like you can't even learn. You probably just need to cope up here. And then eventually when it kind of comes down a little bit, you can learn. Now, why do I say all all that? Here's what I think is is helpful. You know, to follow Jesus is to be someone who is constantly learning. Now, what that is going to mean is that we have to understand that one of the things Jesus is a master at doing is helping us work with the disequilibrium in our lives to learn and to grow. But we have to be willing to kind of meet him in that zone. You could learn, there was stuff they learned on the hillside. The hillside was, the equilibrium was right down here. It was comfortable. The grass was like, they could stand on it. They knew exactly what was going to happen. And you could learn, but there's a limit how much you can learn there. Once they get out on the storm and the water, and now they're surfing waves that they don't know what's coming next, they are forced into a situation where they have to learn some new things. Now, side note, if you are a follower of Jesus or you'd say, yep, that's me, One of the challenges we sometimes have is people will experience in their life something very unexpected and unpredictable, maybe a sudden loss, something they didn't see coming. They'll have questions about, like, where is God when this happened or where that happened. And one of the worst things you can do is if somebody's up here in this zone, try to help them start learning. Because when you're up there, you just need to cope. And the way you care for someone who's experienced that much change is not to go, hey, let's try and learn. I don't want you to mistake what I I think we're meant to learn here. But there's a sweet spot where you're below that threshold of tolerance, how much you can kind of deal with, and you're in the place where the water beneath your feet's a little unsteady. And that is the space where we can learn, where we can grow. What did Jesus want to teach him here? Jesus walks out, there's wind, there's waves, they're getting buffeted by it. And what's he say? Don't be afraid. You know what this is? This is Jesus going, I got master class in how to be fearless for you guys. I want to teach you something great. And you know, Jesus, like, it's not until just before dawn he goes out to him. It's like he is waiting for the most opportune time, like, now you're ready to learn. Now we can learn something. And he starts walking out on the water towards him. Do you know one of the things Jesus wants you to learn, me to learn, is how do you be fearless? How do you not let the buffeting of wind and waves, how do you not let that? paralyze you with fear? How do you learn to surf some big waves in the black of night with nothing but your feet? This is the kind of stuff, if you ever thought following Jesus was like meant to be some kind of boring exercise, what Jesus is after is to teach you how to walk on water. How to, how to find peace in the middle of a storm. How to live a life that is is so characterized by a different experience of even the most challenging of circumstances that he could say to guys in the middle of a black storm that's threatening their very lives, he could say, don't be afraid. I'm about to teach you how to not be afraid. I'm gonna help you take a step towards learning how to live fearless. Do you know, this is the kind of stuff Jesus wants to teach his people. It's this Jesus school of life right here. Jesus' school of life is not just, here, learn some facts and information. It's, I'm going to shape how you live. I'm going to shape how you experience all that life can throw at you. I'm going to teach you to be learners. Like, man, Jesus, I don't know, maybe I'd rather just be a Christian. Can I just come when you got the hillside thing going? And Jesus like, that's cool. But if you're really up for it, I, wanna, I want you to be a learner. I want you to be somebody who learns a whole new way of living. I want to teach you how to be feeling. You know, here's, here's what I, I want us to wrap our minds around. It's just, because I think when you, when you kind of start to wrap your mind around, here's what it means. Here's what Jesus is after. Is he's inviting us to be those who learn from him, those who are following those who are learning a whole different way of being human. That, that when we step into that, you know, that's what's meant to define Jesus' disciples. You know what he primarily, and here's what it kind of revolves around as well. Here's what he really hones in on in this moment. Is he is going to, uh, it's almost like he's going to create this perfect moment, scenario, opportunity to help them realize that the key in this particular instance to not giving in to fear, being paralyzed by it, losing, uh, uh, losing everything in that moment, was for them to learn to recognize his presence in the midst of a storm. To focus on hearing his voice in the midst of a storm. That the actual key, what Jesus, is like, I'm going to teach you something. Here's what I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you to hear my voice in the midst of a raging storm. He goes out to him and he's like, hey, guys, you know, don't be afraid. And Peter's like, I think that's you. Is that you? Is that that you? And and what's he say? He's like, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. Because what Peter was learning and the reason, you know, he was learning to hear Jesus' voice. Jesus says elsewhere, you know what, my sheep, he's like, I'm like a shepherd, my sheep, they know my voice. When you can know his voice, that's what helps you to surf the waves in the middle of the night. Jesus is like, come on out and Jesus is teaching him. He's teaching him, you know, and Peter's like, "I can you know, tell me to come to you. I know you've got that power, that authority. I know that you you can walk on water. I know that you Peter's learning as well that he is capable of things that he would have never thought possible when he learns to hear Jesus' voice. And Jesus is teaching him that you are capable, Peter, of so much more than you realize. Like when Peter, it's only when he starts to lose his sight, his focus, and instead of listening to Jesus' voice and focusing on Jesus' presence, it's when he's looking at storm and and wind and waves and all that, that's when he starts to sink. And Jesus is like, you know, he pulls him up and he's like, hey, why'd you doubt? Now, one of the the last things I want to say on that little picture in that moment when Jesus is like, you know, why did you doubt? If you're a person who, when you're learning from Jesus, everybody hears his voice a little bit different. And sometimes some people are prone to kind of like when they get it wrong, like Peter, they kind of imagine Jesus like, why'd you doubt? How dare you? How'd you get that wrong? Can I just tell you something? If you're a person who's prone to hearing and feeling like God's always kind of coming down hard on you because you're not learning fast enough, I don't know, it's just me, but I always picture Jesus when he reaches down to grab him. And he's like, why'd you doubt? He's almost got a little twinkle in his eye, a little smile on his face. He's not worried if we get it perfect or not. He's not going, why haven't you arrived? Because he's going, all I want you to be is a learner. And learners, by definition, are not there yet. And all Jesus is doing is teaching them a little bit more. Why'd you doubt? Could have done that. Come on, let's get back in the boat. Next lesson, Jesus puts his feet up. The rest of them stand there and says they worshiped him. And they're like, oh. Because here's the thing. The more you learn about Jesus, the more you learn from Jesus, what happens is you end up doing exactly what they did, which is worshiping. And worshiping is when you recognize how great, how awesome he is, and you start to realize that, you know what? It doesn't matter what storm I'm in. If he's in the boat, if he's on the water, man, my life can have peace. One of the greatest things that you and I can do in a season, as we all know of uncertainty, is realize we are in a season for learning. You, me, whatever you experience life, and everybody's experiences are different. Everybody, you know, you can't paint with one brush that that even the uncertainty of this year has affected all people the same. Not not at all. Everyone's got different, but here's the question that I believe every one of us can ask. If you want to be a disciple It's not so much about what do you know, but what questions are you asking? And one of the best questions you can be asking is Jesus, what could I learn in this season that I could learn in no other? There were lessons they could learn on the water you couldn't learn on the hillside. It doesn't mean the hillside wasn't great, it was awesome. And hey, we all love the days when it's sunny and you're on green grass. But there were things that could be learned only, only in the wind and the waves. Only barefoot, surfing some waves in the middle of the night. And if you ask this question, Jesus, what can I learn in this situation that I can learn in no other? You're on your way to becoming a disciple, someone who is learning. I just love this picture. And I want to just, I really wanted us to wrap our minds around it. If you're part of the tribe here at True North, I want us to wrap our minds around it because. I think it's so important as we continue to just navigate different changes, uncertainty. We don't know exactly what will come. And and a lot of the stability and equilibrium we're all used to up until about February, it's not there. But what that means is this is a season for learning. Jesus, what's it mean to be your followers? What's it mean to, to, to navigate uncertainty with you? What's it mean to hear your voice and know you're leading when it doesn't feel like solid ground, but it, it feels like we're walking on some unsteady water. And I love this because if you're someone who is like, yeah, look, I'm, I'm not, I definitely wouldn't have said I'm a Christian. That's not my identity. I'm, I'm not even certain what all this is about. Is I love the reality that at any given moment, any person can choose to become a disciple of Jesus. And just say, I'm going to start learning. I'm going to see what he has to say. I'm going to start paying attention to what uh, is in the script. I'm just going to kind of go, I don't know, I'm going to learn. If you got something to teach me, Jesus, start to show me. And it's one of those things that just reminds us that, that, you know, being a follower of Jesus was never meant to be about whether or not we've arrived. It's always been meant to be about are we those who are postured to say, Lord, I want to learn from you. I want to learn how to live. I want to learn how to love God. I want to learn how to love other people. I want, to, I want to enroll Jesus in your school of life. I want to learn how to find your voice in the storm. I want to learn how to be fearless in the middle of, of, of sinking waters. Jesus, I want to learn. I want to be a disciple. You know, this morning I would love to just pray for you and pray with you. And here's the thing I want to invite you consider just making the prayer of your heart today. It's just a simple declaration to say, Jesus, I want to be your disciple. I'm not going to define myself as if I've arrived, but I will define myself by saying, Jesus, I want to learn from you. I recognize there's things you want to teach me. And I'm going to begin to ask that question, Jesus, what can I learn now that I could learn at no other time? Just ask him, Jesus, what are you teaching me now? What do you want to show me? The great news is that Jesus has left his Holy Spirit here with us to teach us, guide us, instruct us, and lead us on that journey of becoming like Jesus, our teacher. Would you bow with me wherever you are? Whether you're here in this room, whether you're watching uh, somewhere, would you maybe just kind of close your eyes for a moment to create a little stillness in your own attention and focus? I wanna invite you to pray that simple prayer. Jesus, I just wanna be your disciple. I wanna learn from you. There's something about positioning and posturing yourself to say, "Gee, I wanna learn from you. And then I'd love to pray for you. And I wanna pray that he would be speaking into, I don't know the unique situation of your life, but he does. And what I'm gonna pray is that he will begin to speak directly into your situation, that you will have a greater capacity to hear his voice, know he's there in whatever situation you're in. Lord Jesus, I just wanna pray for all those who have in their own mind and heart and soul said to you today, I wanna be your disciple. I pray that God this week, they would begin to hear your voice in a fresh way. I pray that you begin to nudge and to speak. I pray they begin to cultivate a greater awareness and deepening understanding that that you are with them and there are things you wanna teach them. And I pray that in whatever moment or situation that they might find themselves in, I pray they'll be able to ask that question, Jesus, what do you wanna teach me right now? You can't teach me any other time. And I pray that they would begin to hear your leading Just as Peter heard you say, come on, come out to me. They'll begin to hear that still, small voice speaking into their life, letting them know you are there, you are with them. You're present in that situation. So Lord, I pray for all of us, we would grow in our ability to hear your voice, to sense your presence, to be those who are known as your disciples.